All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What I don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Go check them out. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs, whether that be the basketball cards, the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, the hockey cards. There's a new Upper Deck series, so go check it out. ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Follow them on all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. The best part, our favorite part about Zephyr Epic is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... You got my mic muted. Uh, all the way from Squamish, which is a beautiful place, home of uh, Sonny Chibas. From Squamish to Set Eel, Quebec. From Squamish to Co- the place in Quebec. Do you know what uh, Set Eel? Do you know uh, what number Set is? Seven. Yes. Yeah. I almost gave myself an attaboy just like that. No, I, well, I must say, like past couple days, they got in Sunday morning, the Montreal Canadiens, and with it, the Montreal media. Making some French Canadian friends, Melvia. Mm, yeah, in the media room, there's uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of Montreal media there. I was talking to some today. It's very funny. We had, yeah. we had some good chats. Good stuff, Montreal. Interesting team. They're hot right now. Coming back, they are hot team right now. Bottom of the uh, league standing still though, but hot team right now. Speaking of hot things, okay. how about this start to the podcast where I just completely zoned out because I was trying to think of a story I could tell about something I joked about. DoorDash. Let's go. Yeah. Ding dong. Come on. So we'll do that. Okay. So we're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use Ding promo dong. code CONVODD, capital C, capital D is all one word. CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Guadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. I've just been at Canucks practice for the past two days, Chris, and I have a list of things that I observed. Would you like to hear what I observed at Canucks practice, Chris? Sure, but let me tell you about something that I observed on the way in here first. So I stopped at 7-Eleven to get myself uh, one of my rain energy drinks, the no sugar, no calories, all that good healthy stuff, healthy energy drinks in the Faber household right now, and a Gatorade. So I stop in there, and there's like 30 people inside of the 7-Eleven, all wearing suits and name tags and all these things. I think it was some sort of like 7-Eleven uh, like company thing at this 7-Eleven. Shareholders or something. Well, I yeah. Don't know. yeah, they had a big, uh, they had like a lunch set up outside. They were giving taquitos and hot dogs for all the employees. And then they're all just inside the 7-Eleven. And listen, most 7-Elevens, I'll give it to you, they keep it pretty clean in there. I've never seen a 7-Eleven like this. Everything was just pristine. Like, all the chips were perfectly in alignment. No yeah. mixing up. They're all direct lines. I was thinking, man, like, so this must be like the heavy hitters of 7-Eleven yep. yep. coming by to check out a store, maybe learn about some new things. And yeah, it was weird. It's just a bunch of people in suits. And then me in my sweatpants, my full gray track suit that I'm wearing right now, walking into a 7-Eleven to get two energy drinks and two Gatorades. But... And then they all huddled around and were like, that's Chris Faber. They were wondering, like, like, oh, this is what, you know, a normal person, normal 7-Eleven shopper looks like is all the people in suits are looking at me. And do you think, I don't think these people in suits, I don't think they're eating the taquitos. No. I don't think so. They had all these, that's why I saw, I saw this big platter of taquitos outside. I said, there's no way all those taquitos are getting eaten. You want to hear a funny story about the Montreal Canadiens? Sure. So they've been here for a while. You know, usually a team will come in and they, they maybe stay two days tops. 
But the Habs have been here for a while, okay? So they practiced Monday, as did the Canucks, and they also practiced Tuesday. Not sure if the teams will have morning ski tomorrow. Probably an optional one because they both practiced Monday and Tuesday. But today, Tuesday, and yesterday, Monday, the Habs have these, like, this sandwich set up right outside the dressing room, which is right by the media room. So you walk through, the players are working out there. I got to tell you, I got in a video there. I don't know who was working out. I think it might have been, uh, might have been Hammond. It was definitely a goalie, but I, I don't know him well enough to like recognize him without a mask on. So I think it was Hammond that I saw, but he's throwing a ball against the wall and the Habs like digital content guy is, is filming. And I walk out of the media room and I turn and I'm instantly in the shot because they were right outside. And I was like, and I kind of like stuttered, but then I was like, I can walk behind him. Like, you know, he's not doing a drill where he's backing up or anything. So I'm like, I can just walk behind him. So I did. And then the content guy just kind of like looked at me because he's like, really? He's like, oh, I, I got to like, take another shot. I was like, sorry, man. Like, you know, this is the media room. It's not Tell me fault. more about what's this uh, sandwich table you're talking about? Here? Well, they've got a bunch of sandwiches for their players, which is just incredible. Like, I, and I walked up and I, at first I was like, oh, wow. Like the Canucks are giving us lunch. Like, oh. this is fantastic. We've got, you know, there was tuna, there was ham and cheese, there was some grilled chicken wraps. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then I see freaking Nick Suzuki grab one. Oh, Nick like, Suzuki. Oh, my gosh. So I was like, hey, Nick, you're actually eating my lunch, just so you know. Damn. I'm just kidding. I obviously didn't say that. But, you know, you, you know, you see the see the guys working out out there, and holy cow, it was like an earthquake. You, I don't think you can hear it on the availability. Maybe you can. Like, the Canucks didn't post Luke Shen's availability. Luke Shen spoke today. We'll talk about what he said because you're working on a story about it. But Luke Shen spoke today and they were like throwing medicine balls right outside the door and you could hear it. Like it was loud. The floor was shaking and stuff. It was, it was weird how loud it was, but that's probably why the Luke Shen availability didn't get posted was because the Habs were just working out right outside right before their morning skate. Interesting. Yeah. It's going to be a long homestand here as we start seven games. Big seven games as we all the way up to the trade deadline. It's almost like, you know, this this is a huge homestand just for everything that the Canucks are going to end up doing at the trade deadline. However many different changes they're going to have. And and basically for me, it's to see this team if they're fighting for a playoff spot coming out of this homestand. Like this is massive, man. This uh, these next seven games, which is huge that you get seven in a row at home in a time that's as important as ever on the season with the trade deadline approaching. Like this is going to be a very interesting uh, couple weeks here in Vancouver for Canucks fans, man. Absolutely. And that's the thing is we've been talking to Bruce Boudreaux about that in the, you know, the lead up to this gaming as the Habs, because this is make or break time for the Canucks. Like we throw around the term and we have a lot lately, the term must win and how oh they've got to win this game. And, you know, I'd say the only must win game that they lost was probably the one against Anaheim. That was one that you looked at. It's like, oh, we can really gain some, uh, gain some footing in the standings. This is going to be a great game for us. And then they go out and lose it. So that was kind of what we were hearing from the players was this is a huge game for us. And then they didn't win it, but you've been hearing that ever since, right? Like every game is a must win in the minds of the players on that team right now. And it kind of has to be like, when you look at the chance that they have at actually coming back and making something interesting of this, it's not going to be easy, Chris, like, the odds are very much so against them. I believe Dom Lachizan's model at the Athletic has them at a 12% chance of making the playoffs. And I know the probabilities and all that sort of stuff. You can say what you will about it. But the fact of the matter is, the odds are very much so against the Canucks making a playoff, m- making it into the playoffs and securing a playoff spot. 
Yeah, most definitely. And I think that was interesting seeing, was it Sunday? That was where like four teams of the Canucks are chasing end up winning that night. So when you see a night like that happen, it definitely makes it tough because right now the Canucks, they sit, uh, I guess, three spots out of a wild card spot. I mean, not too many points away. You can look at it. You could say they're four points out. There's still some games in hand, but that's the thing. It's like with that many teams in front of you, it's, it's hard enough to catch one team, right? Like, you know, with games in hand, it's hard to catch teams because they're going to be able to put up some pace and, and kind of push you off. But when it's like three teams that you have to jump, that's really tough because, you know, one of those teams is going to go on a good run here. You know that one of the teams in the Pacific Division is going to go on a good run here. And then it'll be interesting to see, like, does does a team like L.A. add some players at the deadline? Does a team like, you know, I don't think Vegas can really do anything. So, like, L.A. or potentially one of the two uh, one of the two teams in Dallas or Nashville, those teams in the central there, like those teams could add and really like secure up the, the wild card spots as well. So like it's, it is a tough battle uphill for the Canucks, but man, they've had a tough battle since, you know, game 26 of the season when Boudreaux took over and they've done really good so far up to this point. So there is, there has to be belief in the room from how well they've played under Bruce Boudreaux and the change that this, this team has gone through that it's an opportunity for them to get into the playoffs, but it is, it is so tough, man, to jump that many teams that you look at this homestand and to go five and two would be great, right? Like any team looking at a homestand probably takes a five and two record. That needs to be like the bare minimum for the Canucks. And that's a lot to ask on a team that's what on a two game win streak right now. Like you think if they can go like six and one or five, one and one and, you know, something like 11 points or 10 points plus over this road, this homestand here. That's a lot to ask of a team, but this is make or break time for the Vancouver Canucks. They're going to take these games as important as anything that's happened to them this season. I, I man, we're going to have some fun podcasts if this team starts winning games here over the next two weeks. This homestand is going to set up a lot of things for us to switch the conversation about the Canucks being sellers at the deadline into the Canucks really being in a playoff race. Like that is going to be the thing that's going to happen basically a week from now. Like, when the weekend comes, we'll have our podcast. It'll be all fun. I don't think we'll be talking about it yet unless they lose, you know, two games going into the weekend. But next week, next like midweek show, we're really going to know if this team is is actually in that playoff run or not because there's always a chance. Like there's, there's still a good handful of games left in the season, right? I mean, what is it? Something like 25 games remaining in the season. There's still a lot of time, but... They there's just so much to jump. I, I know that it just seems good. It's like, oh, they're only four points out. But there's so many teams like Anaheim's also looking at it like we're three points out. Edmonton's looking at it like, oh, we're two points out. Nashville's looking at it like we need to hold that spot. And the Stars are looking at the same thing as Nashville. They're saying we're trying to hold this spot. This isn't just a world that revolves around the Vancouver Canucks. There's other teams involved in this situation. And it's going to be a real uphill battle for the Canucks to get into this spot. Because you look at it. And the teams that are fighting for that playoff spot, like Winnipeg, they're at 58 points. The Canucks are at 62. You could almost say that Winnipeg's out of the race, mm-hmm. right? Like you could say that Winnipeg is out of the race. They're they're eight points out of a playoff spot with 25 games to go. You can say that Winnipeg's out of the race. You can't quite say that about the Vancouver Canucks because they're still in that little that clump of teams with Anaheim and Edmonton, but they really need like you need at least five wins. You need at least ten points on this homestand to keep that dream alive. Absolutely, and that's exactly what the Canucks will look to do. 
on this homestand. Do you want to hear what I observed, Chris? Yeah, tell me. You were you've been spending a lot of time. You're back at practice. The homestand. You're going to be at the rink every day here. Yep, quads at up the rink that, is my Instagram. Name I tell suggests. you, are you taking the sky train in with the gas prices? You're going to be you know ringing what? it up for you. I took the sky train yesterday. Good idea. Hated it. Yeah, hated it so much. And then today, obviously, we had to record, so I was driving all over the place. I'm going to pick up some Lego at uh, at my mom's house before I leave today. So that'll be a lot of fun before I go home. I'm going to get some Lego. My old Lego, yeah. I saw you bought some Lego the other day, right? I did. You uh, let's save this for the Patreon, but yeah, okay. I built a the Seinfeld Lego set. Right, very nice, very nice little good, set. Good Gonna for put you. It on display. Anyways, how long does that take? How long that? Because uh, you built it was a little. It wasn't huge. It wasn't like no. a big structure. It looked like it was a bunch of little things yeah, putting it was like together. Nine bags. A bag probably takes like half hour to do. Oh, okay, Tops. So that, that took up a good por- portion of an afternoon then. Yeah, I did it over some time because I don't have a lot of free time where I just can sit down for a straight period of time. But if I ever told you about uh, so back, okay, yeah, shoot, we're going off the rails. No, so no, are we really? Just a little. I'll do it. I'll okay, make yeah, it quick. Try story. And make it quick. Okay, so when I worked as the manager at A and W, my assistant manager, she was there for a long time. She's an older lady, and uh, she was at that A and W since it like opened out of the Woodgrove Mall, and she was obsessed with Lego. Like she would every time, like a, every time she got a paycheck. The first thing she went and did was go whatever to Toys R Us or Walmart or wherever it was. And she would buy like one of the $99 sets and she would do that every two weeks. And then she would build it for two weeks and do that. And she had like a full room that was just Legos. That's sick. so shout out to. And she, she was she was mean to everyone except for me because I'd give it right back to her. I wasn't taking that from <laughs> Wasn't taking that from Jean, and she knew that. And yeah, we we had a great relationship. I miss her. I miss her all the time. We're friends on Facebook though, so I keep up to her. She posts her Lego. Pi- her profile picture is her wearing the like the Lego man heads. You know the big yellow heads. Yep. it's that on top of her head. That's so. She funny. was awesome. Jean, I love Jean. Jean I miss respected her. you. You gave it right back to Jean. Well, I say from well, respect. And I'll be honest. First, like six months I worked there when I was new. I wasn't. I was just taking it. She was bullying me. She was mean to me. This little old lady. She was mean. And then once I cracked her, we were buddies after that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This could be like the worst sitcom ever. I would be so oh, down to watch that, though. That would have been a great show. I've thought about this. Oh, man. No, I can't do this. All, all the spots <laughs> that I've worked at, like, well, for like long times, like I worked at A&W for a long time and I worked at the mill for a long time. Both of those would have made excellent television because like you see some of these shows that's like, uh, what's the one on the the fishing on the crab fishing on the water? Oh, man, why can't I remember this name? Anyways, you know what show on, people know what show I'm talking about. I can't believe I'm blanking on this. But And then like shows about actual like people at their jobs, like the Gold Rush show. That's a cool one, too. I always thought that if somebody you know paid for the cameras at the mill, it would have been hilarious. Because you think drama is bad from like high school drama. You should see what it's like with a bunch of like 30 to 60-year-old men at a mill. The drama is unbelievable. And anybody who works in a mill knows what I'm talking about. The drama is unbelievable at a mill. Way worse than high school. That's so funny. I worked at, you know, I, I I talk about my construction days before I retire at the ripe age of 17. Yeah, yeah. But when I worked on that construction site for the summer, there was so much drama. Oh. I was like, oh my gosh, these are grown men. Get it together. Yeah, it was a mess. Anyways, right, so. now, you're, now your regular career is a sitcom, basically. Was, there might be more drama here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's what I have to report, Chris. Two days at the rink. I put in my dues. I'm going to take a nice little vacation now, as you know I like to do. Spoke on Monday, said that he has not started any contract extension talks with the Canucks. Chris, that March 21st trade deadline is fast approaching, and different insiders, Frank Saravalli being one of them, have reported that the Canucks have basically decided internally that 
if Mott doesn't sign an extension or if they don't get Mott signed to an extension before the trade deadline, he will be playing elsewhere on the 22nd. So something to keep in mind, Tyler Mott has not been given an extension yet. Canucks, you have to wonder if they're still in that stage of, let's see what we have here. Let's see how this team does over this homestand. There's still some time before the trade deadline. What do you think? Do you think that there are conversations? Like, I think that they obviously must have had a conversation about what what a deal looks like with Tyler Mott. What What do you think the Canucks end would be on a deal for Tyler Mott. I think the Canucks would like to get Tyler Mott at two or three years for 1.25, 1.5. Really? There's no chance though, right? No, no yeah. chance. Mott's coming in at least 2.53 mil, maybe. You think? I don't know if he gets... A lot of people... I've heard that number thrown out. I don't think even Mott's camp is looking for $3 million from the Canucks. I don't think Not it goes Not from the Canucks. Three. Sorry. I think that's what he would get on the open market. Oh, okay. If he hit the open market... Like remember, and I know this guy doesn't. But work I've in the seen NHL. people throw the idea of like three million, three million. That gets thrown around a decent amount. With Tyler Mont. The number that you probably see even more though is two point five. Yeah, that's the number you don't go over if you're the Canucks. No, exactly. And, and like, then this, here's the other thing about Tyler Mont. Jamo was arguing this on the radio show yeah. for a couple weeks here. It's like you don't pay a fourth liner two point five million dollars. I know that Tyler Mont like plays in a fourth line role. But Tyler Mott has 16 goals in his last 83 games. That's not a fourth line no. production for goals. He also kills penalties. And under Bruce Boudreaux, his minutes are even going up even more. He's also the guy that if somebody goes down in the top, top nine, or if you're at the end of the game and you're protecting a lead in the final 10 minutes, and say you take Niels Huglander out of your top nine, Tyler Mott's the guy who slides up there and gets all those minutes. So to me... Yes, if you're paying like a typical fourth liner $2.5 million and all he's doing is killing penalties and scoring six goals a year, you don't pay that guy 2.5. But I can see a deal where paying Tyler Mott around 2 to 2.3 on a three year deal, like I can see that being something that you're willing to pay. Like, because I, I see more value even coming into this year, I would have looked at, I would have looked at Dickinson and I would have looked at Tyler Mott. And if you're paying 2.25, I, I do think that there is a reason to believe that Tyler Mott could be more valuable, right? Like, and especially now that we've seen what Dickinson looks like in a lineup, like Tyler Mott is for sure more valuable. So I don't think you go over like 2.3, 2.4, but if you can get him even two years, like a two year deal at 2.3, 2.4, I, I do think that that's val- like there is not like surplus value on that contract. Like maybe you've seen from Mott in the past on his low deals, but do you value his consistency enough on what he brings to the lineup more than taking a risk on another guy that makes $900,000? Yep. Because you can find a guy in free agency who does similar things to Tyler Mott, but it's not like he's going to hit every time. You know, the Canucks were probably hoping that Justin Bailey was going to be able to step in and be a fourth line or learn how to kill penalties and do things. He just hasn't made it happen. You know, they're, they've kind of got a similar spot with Matthew Highmore, but they also have Will Lockwood. So like, you have some competition there. So I do understand if they want to go away from not paying him that money, but it's just like, to me, it's, it's wild to think that like Hamannick's going to make 3 million next year. Pullman's going to make 2.5 next year. Dickinson's going to make 2.65 next year. And those guys are the reason why you can't sign Mott at 2.5. Exactly. And now it's time to penny pinch with Mott, right? Yes. Like that's the view that's being held. And with a new management group, that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to, pinch as much as they can because that they have no ties to Tyler Mott. Yeah. No prior ties to him to make this deal. I must say though, like you just said, he's not a fourth liner. Like, you know, he's not even deployed as a fourth line right now. Like, you know, Boudreaux even said when you have a fourth line, the big fear is that you put them out and 
they ice the puck. And then the other team puts out their top guys, their first line. He's like, I don't have that worry with this line. So it's not a fourth line. Yeah, like, fourth line. Like, literally, if you think of it in, like, the old way of thinking of a fourth line, it's like, hey, they, they don't score. They don't get scored on. They just eat up some time. Yeah. That's, like, your goal for a fourth line if you look at it the old time. Anyway. And this one's producing. Like, this one's producing offense. Yeah, when they're when they're trailing... This line is five and zero oh with goals for to goals against. This is like the this is the line that Boudreaux's putting out there when his team's down and needs a goal. Like this line has done excellent in that position when they get out there because they match up so well against those old timey fourth lines that you see all around the NHL. Yeah, you know, like we we hear about fourth lines around the NHL that are quick and fast and progressive, but then look what we saw against Toronto the other day, right? Like Jason Spezza, Wayne Simmons, like some slower guys. A good fourth line, like a speedy fourth line, can eat against those teams. And Toronto's not the only fourth line that has slow guys on their fourth line. Yeah, absolutely. And here's what Mott said just before we wrap up this conversation, move on to the next thing I've got here. Mott said, I love the city. I love playing here, but I'm not going to let those type of things distract me, even though it is that time of year, and I do understand it. Days are ticking away, but I'm going to continue to be here and work hard every single day. That's not going to change. Again, that Canucks forward, Tyler Mott, talking about the trade rumors and how he has not been involved in any contract extension negotiations at this point in time. Chris, the other thing that I have from practice, I got a few, but the lines and the power play units remain unchanged. So that's a quick one. Good. Nothing nothing different. It's the same formation that you saw against Toronto. That's what you can expect to see Wednesday against the Montreal Canadiens. The other thing, Tucker Pullman skated today and he skated yesterday on Monday. It was the first time he's practiced with the team since January 27th when he left the game against Winnipeg with what the team at the time said Calgary? was... No, it was Winnipeg. Uh he take the bump from Gabranson? No, that's D- Dickinson. Dickinson's the one, yeah, so, that's right. Thanks for that, though. Um, Get to so that, Tucker yeah. Pullman, Tucker Pullman uh, left that game on the 27th and has been l- suffering from headaches and migraines. So not good to see for Pullman, but he is back now. I don't think he's going to be in the lineup. Um... I wouldn't even call it a healthy scratch, but I do wonder if when he comes back, if he is a healthy scratch, because you look at this lineup, where does he slot in? I don't know if I see a spot. You're not splitting up Hughes and Shen. We'll talk about them on the other side because we got some good quotes from a bunch of people on that today. I don't think there's a spot for Tucker Pullman when he returns from injury. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, man. I don't... Uh... And Hamannick hasn't been good. Yeah, that that's the name that like would be the potential on either that or Hamannick slides to play the left side. Yeah, which what a nightmare that would be. Right, and, and takes over the spot of Brad Hunt coming. Like, I think if they lose, that's something that they might try. Because I, I think Pullman's probably pretty close. Like Boudreaux said today, it's he was. I think he said he's sort of going to call it day to day. Right, like yeah. that's what he's sort of calling it. Yeah. So, yeah, it is tough. It's wild to think that. And I think we brought this up a while ago on the show. I think I brought this up specifically of saying. It, it does look like Tucker Pullman is going to be a healthy scratch, right? Like him or Hamannick, you're either you're healthy scratching a guy making 2.5 or a guy making three. That's not good for your defense core, man. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? No. You with the drops, eh? Yeah, me with the drops. That's right. Well it's done. not good. You're right. Okay, let's cut to break. On the other side, we'll get to our poll question. No, one last one. I mentioned Dickinson. He skated before practice. He's not practicing with the team, but... No, Dickinson, Dickinson so didn't practice. So I think practice that's today. good news. I mean, he wouldn't be skating if he was really far away or, like, you know, was hurt with, like, a shoulder out of place or broken, I don't know, ribs or something. Like, good news, I guess, for Dickinson getting closer to returning to the lineup. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And he hasn't practiced yet. I think we've just heard from Boudreaux that he skated before practice. Yeah, has not practiced yet. Haven't right. seen him on the ice. So still a ways away, likely. Yeah, probably. All right, we'll cut to break. On the other side, we will talk about a number of topics. We're going to talk about JT Miller and how he's essentially played himself off the trade market. We'll talk about the Hughes-Shen pairing, and we will talk about the trade deadline. Well, I got prospects. I got NCAA. I got lots of stuff. We here. got lots of stuff. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. And before we go any further into the episode, I want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now, we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four, there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Folks, if you want to advertise with us, shoot us a message at Canucks Convo on Twitter or either of our social media handles at ChrisFaber39 on Twitter at Quadrelli. First L is a capital I. I always forget that uh, which L is an I in your... It's the first one. You don't think about changing that? People search up Quadrelli. Does it come up? Yeah, it comes up. I guess because your name. If you Google Quadrelli, But if you search up. at Quadrelli, it won't come up. Uh, No, I think it will. It does? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to check. Regardless, it's time for episode 244 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of... The best fresh pork rinds that come straight out of your air fryer or your microwave. Folks, you've heard us talk about Atlas Goods before. And the pop rinds that you can buy on their website. Local company. And hey, we're recording this on International Women's Day. Proudly woman-owned company. Excellent. Atlas Goods. So go check out Atlas Goods. Go buy yourself some pop rinds. The shelf life is 18 months after opening these. Longer than regular pork rinds, which are basically just like potato chips. Like they go stale after a week or two, right? Oof. So you don't have to worry about that with these. You got 18 months after you open up your bag of pop rinds. And remember, these come, you got to cook them. You put them in the microwave, put them in the air fryer. But those those uncooked pork rinds, 18 months. Made with simple ingredients like lard, salt, and pork skins, as opposed to high-processed oily foods. Keto-friendly? Keto friendly. I'm you. You told stuff. me that the other time. I didn't even know what keto was. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure what keto is either. I think it's like you don't eat uh, carbs or something. Maybe interesting. You don't eat pasta. I know that. You don't eat any pasta. No bagels. None oh, of that oh, stuff. Stop. Stop. These pronunciations are going to kill me. Yep. All right. So go to Atlas GDS. No toast. You don't get toast in there. You said toast proper. Bread. You Tortillas. Okay. None of That's that. Enough. AtlasGDS.com. Use promo code CC15. 15% off your first order. On a three-year deal. What's, what's the, the most promo you- code one more time? CC15. CC15. Capital C, capital C, one, five. Right? Yes. Okay. What, that wasn't well, no, clear? People, people have asked me about it, so they want to know what the... And somebody somebody sent in... Uh, somebody tried them. They said they got them delivered yes. the same day. Yes, it's they got same delivered, day delivery right? if you order by three o'clock. It's pretty sweet, man. I know that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I, I got I got sent something too. Someone someone sent me that they got it. I gotta tell you, the bacon flavor. I, I go bacon every time. Here, hold on. Let's. I got the message right here. It's from Obergy three on Twitter. Said that they used ranch 
the popcorn seasoning ranch flavor. Yes. Yes. Okay. On top of it. So the girlfriend and I yeah. got the dill pickle kernel oh, seasoning. Okay. I'm thinking of trying that on the original. Right, I tell you, hey. Okay, get to the poll. We're gonna we gotta talk to Alice because we said thirty second ads on the show. Yeah, Jesus, we're gonna start charging more here pretty soon. They're getting their money's worth. Anyways, on a three year deal, what's the most you'd pay for Tyler Mott? Option one, one point eight five. Option two, two point two five. And option three, two point five five. And as always, I'm angry. I sent on the poll first, and people were angry. What did top. you put as the options? I was kind of in the more range of like two three, two six, two point nine. I don't know. I don't think that's horrible. I think maybe that's more like free agency market. I guess maybe the way that people are looking at it is like if Vancouver is to re-sign him. Yeah. Because okay. listen, he likes it here in Vancouver. Jim Benning's the guy who gave him a chance to become an NHLer, consistent NHLer. He's played a lot here. He's obviously played his role. But interesting thing about Tyler Mott, you could say this. Good people have told us about Tyler Mott. The thing about him is he drives a fourth line, right? He's a guy who drives. He's not just a fourth line player. He is a guy who drives that line. Think about it over the past years that he's been on the Canucks fourth line. Yeah. He has been the guy driving that line. We talked about it before the break. He's the guy who jumps up into the top nine when you're defending a lead. He's a guy who can play up if there's an injury to happen. To me, he isn't just a fourth liner. Fourth liners don't score at a 16 goal pace over 82 games. Yeah, and I think Oscar Sundquist in St. Louis is another uh, good example. Is kind of a comparable for that, and I think he's making three million. Yeah, so. and he's a guy who drives a line. Like a guy who drives a line isn't just a fourth liner. Right? Exactly. Like I, I know that people are like, oh, maybe you can find a guy better, but it's still a big maybe for me finding a guy who can drive a fourth line like Tyler Mott. And I'm I'm comfortable with Tyler Mott making a decent amount more than a regular fourth line player because I don't think he is a regular fourth line player. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of going to be reflected in the voting. But I'm still, yeah, in the answer, I'm still, what, 2.55? That's, yeah. that's the too much for me. Yeah, I think that's too much as well. I I think two point two five. That's kind of the sweet spot. I think I I could. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm comfortable like up to like two three two four. Likewise, right now sixty five percent of people, unsurprisingly, so say one point eight five. Eighteen percent say two point two five. A lot of four percent say two point five. Forty percent are saying the one point eight five. No, sixty five percent are saying that. Wow. A lot of people aren't even willing to go into the twos for Tyler Mott. No. Well, people are looking mm. at it. And they're seeing that the team needs cap space. So, of course, they're going to vote for the lowest one, right? You got to think more realistically here. I think that's why you and I are at the second option. Yeah, but it's like, but then what happens if you go out and get another Jason Dickinson who you think is going to bring a lot and be a third-line guy and you're paying him $2.8 million or you know whatever this new player comes in at and he's not the equivalent of Tyler Mott. You have another Jason Dickinson on your hands. Like You know what you have with Tyler Mott. I'm, st- I'm a little surprised to see 65% of people say 1.85 is too much. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I think that's not too much. I think they're saying that's as high as I would go, right? And that's the lowest option that they can pick from. So okay. I think they're going to take that. Yeah, as- not a lot of people are jumping to 2.25. So a little interesting. Yeah. All right. What do we got here moving on from this? JT Miller. Okay. JT Miller had a lengthy discussion at the Canucks bench. Thomas Drance and I were in the stands. We were all over. We were posting photos of it. I posted it with the caption, I'm never going to let them trade you, JT, as Boudreaux was talking to JT Miller. I went in to the Norm Jewison media room, and I tried to get a juicy quote from Boudreaux. I asked the Canucks head coach to reveal what the subject of the conversation was. He said, well, Miller asked me if we could talk at on the ice rather than while he's getting undressed in the room. Cause I have conversations with every guy and I said, yeah, sure. 
And that's the Ooh. whole Looks story. Looks like JT Miller's getting traded. Yeah. That's too bad. JT Miller trade. Off I, oh, he wants to talk about it on ice. It was very funny. People were people were all over it. Like people loved loved to see that there was a conversation going on. They're like, "What's it about? What's it about?" And uh, yeah, there was some responses, which was pretty funny, of people saying what they were talking about. And uh, yeah, one of them was JT. Sit here for ten minutes. The media will go nuts. <laughs> not wrong. Definitely would not been, wrong. It, like Patrick Alvine comes and sits beside him too. <laughs> like this. Oh. That would have been a wild. That tweet would have been a firestorm. I've been seeing a lot of Canucks brass at these practices. Like I saw Emily Castonguay was in the concourse talking to somebody. I honestly don't know who it was that she was talking to, but she's out there. They're all watching practice right now. Everybody's trying to get a really good feel for kind of what this team's going to do moving forward. So it was pretty cool to see that. I must say. So like I said, Boudreaux explained that conversation with Miller was just a normal conversation that he has with players. As time kind of goes on. So, I want to talk about GT Miller, Chris. Yep. Because I wrote an article for CanucksArmy.com, and this is just through conversations with industry contacts, kind of reading what other people are reporting, all that sort of stuff. Just putting it all together and kind of understanding that JT Miller has played himself out of trade negotiations. Like, teams want JT Miller. There's no shortage of teams that have JT Miller as the number one target on their list. But he's likely not getting traded. And in the least traditional sense possible, JT Miller has played his way off the trade market. It's not because teams were interested and then he played poorly and now they're not interested. It's because he played so damn well that the Canucks said, if you want him, you got to buck up because we don't need to move this guy right now. You know what it feels like? It feels like the team that's most interested in JT Miller is the Vancouver Canucks from what they've been able to see that JT Miller can do there. There is a huge conversation that's likely going on right now in management about his future, because listen, man, like you watch the way this guy's playing. And even when the Canucks were bad in those first 25 games, JT Miller was there every night, very consistent. You know, he still has those egregious turnovers, but they don't happen as often this year that, that we saw in the bubble in the, basically the, the no fans year. Uh, the COVID year, I don't even know what to call it. It's, it wasn't a bubble. That's what I was trying to say. Anyways, last year, <laughs> like JT Miller has looked a lot better this year when it comes to those specific turnovers. And I think he's just been a guy who like night in, night out, like there's no surprise when JT Miller has a three-point night. And the Canucks just haven't really had that type of player in a while, right? Like the Canucks haven't had a player like JT Miller who competes to be in the top 10 scoring in the league for a long time. Definitely like in the Benning regime, there hasn't been that type of guy where you know that you're going to get points basically every night. Like he's a guy who scores at a point per game rate. He's an excellent player in the NHL and one of the top scorers in the NHL. There is such a discussion that's going to be had by us all offseason long about what would a contract look like for JT Miller as he goes into his 30s. Yeah, and that's the thing is I believe the conversation has shifted from we need to move JT Miller at this trade deadline to we need to figure out what we want to do with JT Miller. And it's just too soon to make a decision. And there are no but extension talks point. starting just yet, but in the summer they will start those extension talks. Right. Yeah. Cause they can't talk yet. And when they like this, the thing is though, like, and I think this is, this wouldn't have happened in my eyes under the Jim Benning regime, but with this new regime, there still is the opportunity where if that, 
that massive offer comes through. What do you call it? You call it the Godfather offer. It's like cannot refuse. Yeah, you can't refuse it. If they if that comes, the Canucks are still going to take it. I think. Right? Like you can't turn down the the conversation where if it's like Capo Caco, a first round pick, you get like Niels Lundqvist yeah. thrown in there. Like oh, you can't yeah. turn that down, or you get Braden Schneider. And you know, like and Kako, and I then believe- another pick thrown in there like that. You you can't turn down those type of offers for because how it sets you up in the future. I I've been saying this for a long time with the JT Miller deal. Like the way that this deal gets done is there's picks involved, there's another prospect involved, but the big one for me, and this may not be the most valuable piece in the trade, but there needs to be a right shot defenseman whose play style fits what Quinn Hughes is going to do. You need to be able to find the right shot defenseman who plays with Quinn Hughes for the length of Hughes's current contract. You need the next five years after this year, you need to acquire that in the JT Miller trade if you are going to move him, plus plus. You do need to get a haul back, but to me, you need that right D in there. You need that guy who's going to play with Quinn Hughes because, man, like Luke Shen, I think he's done an excellent job. I'm writing about it right now, but I don't know if Luke Shen is the guy for Hughes throughout his whole contract. Maybe Shen is for this year and he's played good next year. You hope that he can do it again, but you need to start to think about because once you secure that up, your defense is so much stronger because then you actually have two legit guys that you can ride every game for 24 minutes of ice time, right? You know, like you can play them at five on five for like 18 minutes each on that pairing. You just need that right D that you know is going to be that moving forward. And it's the new age guys, right? It's not, it isn't, you don't need to find another Chris Tanev or another Luke Shen. You need to find the right D who is like very capable of moving the puck with less pressure. Cause pressure is going to always be leaned on to Quinn Hughes side. They're going to force Quinn Hughes to make the pass. And a lot of the time he does, but a lot of the times he can just kind of flip it off to Luke Hughes. And then Luke Hughes has to make, the move, or sorry, Luke Shen needs to make the pass. And he does like when you have a lot of space and time, it's a lot easier to make the pass. If you have a strong moving puck, moving right shot defense and playing with Hughes, it's going to make that defense pairing is going to break their own zone so easily. So you need to find that new age, right? D big bodied guy who can skate and move the puck. And I think that's what the Canucks need to get back. If you are to move JT Miller. And that's the thing is they're not close off to that. I believe it was Satya Shaw that reported that, the Rangers really aren't budging on Braden Schneider, and it looks like that's who the Canucks want back in a deal with the Rangers. And obviously, the Rangers have always been the front runner to get JT Miller, and they continue to be. But it does look a lot like the Canucks are just going to keep him because the price tag is so high. He's basically priced himself out of the trade market. It's just too much. No team wants to trade for him because. He's going to cost so much. I, I can't even think of a comparable Here, right now. Okay, can I throw one? I know that this team has been around, and you've probably heard it thrown out. What do you think about the Avalanche? Because they have the pieces. He's a great fit. He's a great he fit is, for the Avalanche. Think about it. They have Nathan McKinnon's contract to worry about. They have Kadri, who's on a you know best year of his life, of yep. his career. Yep. And this is a team where there's pressure, man. Like there is pressure on the Avalanche for this year to be the year. They need a breakthrough, right? Yeah, Before you, they start you, to become that Washington team that, you know, you don't want to be the Washington team that never broke through. That would be what the Avalanche would look like. I think there is pressure this year for them to move on. And listen, man, with with the Avalanche, like they also have some of these I talked about like a right D that's going to be able to play with Quinn Hughes down the road. You remember Drew Hellison? He's an American, played in the World Juniors a couple years ago. Uh, he's a six foot three right shot defenseman, currently playing with Boston College. He went to the Olympics this year, 
really strong right D who's only 20 years old. He's an option as well. Like that, they have the position need that you would like the Canucks to kind of explore. Justin Barron's the guy in the AHL, another six foot two right D, a potential option moving down the road for these guys. So, like, that's you try to get one of those two. And then is it new hook? Is it first round pick? Is that what is enough to get JT Miller? Because I thought, like, two months ago, I thought there's no way the Canucks can trade JT Miller for new hook, a first and one of those right D. But now with the pressure on the Avalanche and how good JT Miller has played, that's a package I don't think you turned down. No, I don't think so either. And that's the thing is you, you just talked about the avalanche with the McKinley's contract, Kadri, all that sort of stuff. The the pressure is on them. Like they are the ones that have the pressure. The Canucks don't have any pressure. That's the thing, like, right? There's a new management regime here. They can do whatever they want, basically. They have like a nice little grace period because they have to clean up the mess that was left by the last management regime. They've got a little grace period here. It's not like they're under any sort of pressure to move JT Miller or to get something done with him right now. Like they have no pressure on them. So it's very easy for them to do no wrong because there isn't, like you said, there's not much pressure on them. There's not much more wrong the, you could do than the last manager. If regime. they would have came in like a year later and it would have been like JT's on his expiring Horvat's expiring, you know, but the only thing that's expiring is Brock Besser's deal. That's really important. Right. And, and that's the one that, you, know, you mentioned you talk to a lot of people in the industry. I know you're talking to Sarah Valley, who's got him up at number five on his trade list. Like It does lean that direction to where Besser is the guy that gets moved. And the conversation all week on sports radio uh, has been like, can he get you a right D, though? Like, How good of a right D can Brock Besser get straight across for you? Is Damon, Damon, Severson. Damon Severson's the name that everyone keeps throwing out, but like, is that enough? To get Severson? Do you think that a 27-year-old right D is the guy that says, listen, what I said, like... It's similar for me with Brock Besser, where it's like, hey, you either like you either need to get a haul back of draft picks and one player that maybe gets to your lineup, or you need that right D that's going to be Quinn Hughes' partner moving forward. And I don't think Severson is that guy. No, I don't think so either. I was just saying it because you're right; he's the name that's being thrown out uh, every day on Sports Talk Radio. So that's why I had to throw Damon Severson. But yeah, you're right. Like Damon Severson, you know, 27 years old. <laughs> Does he have what it takes to play with Quinn Hughes? I don't know if that's the guy you want. I really don't. 31 points on the season, though, so that's like, it's not too bad. No, it's not, but that's the thing. It's like, I don't know if he is the guy who plays well enough defensively to calm and things that's, down. And that's the thing is when we talk about Quinn Hughes' partner, we talk about a guy like a Chris Tanev. We talk about a guy like a Luke Shen, but you just brought it up yourself. Like, the puck moving guy is the guy that you want moving forward playing with Quinn Hughes, right? So it's something to keep in mind. I don't think it's enough. I really don't. I don't think Brock Besser is enough to get a trade done there. Especially, you know, you think of that qualifying offer and New Jersey's going to have to re-sign him. So. Yeah, and you wonder, like, I'm just I'm thinking of, like, other names. It's Philippe Myers, you know, six foot five right D in Nashville. He's an RFA next year, after next year. So he is, like, maybe Nashville could be a trading partner somewhat if you can work Myers. Because, like, with Besser, I, I do think the Canucks have enough depth at winger at least to like be able to cover for Brock Besser's worth like and then you'd get Myers next year at plus then you'd have two Myers on your team that'd be tough two right D Myers and they're big boys both of them but Philippe Myers is like I don't know maybe he's the option who can maybe help a little bit but I don't know if he's like the for sure perfect fit I don't think there is like out there like the perfect fit for the Canucks to really explore as the trade for Brock Besser that's what makes it so hard for me yeah you're right the it's interesting because we're just sitting here speculating and nobody wants to hear that, so we should wrap it up soon. But it's hard to try and pinpoint an exact package, right? Like an exact idea for Brock Besser and who 
who's the perfect target because I think the only way to do it is just judge it once it happens, right? Like there's a lot of different options out there. And once it actually happens, I think that's when you can start to kind of pick it apart. There's no sense just throwing out names, right? Like let's wait, see what happens. Trade deadline is March 21st. There's going to be a lot of action. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening from now and until then. I don't know. I keep an eye out on Philippe Myers. I maybe not in the best deal because I'm looking right now. He's only playing 15 minutes a night in Nashville. I don't know. Third pairing minutes. Maybe like, maybe is that, that's something that maybe you can trade something else for, or maybe you get a decent pushback for a Besser deal. Like I, that is, you look at guys that are big and right-handed and can move the puck and decently skate. That's what you need for Hughes. And you need to kind of upgrade the defense. And it looks like Besser might end up being that piece moving forward here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's close it out here. You've got a prospect report. Did you want to talk about Hughes and Shen pairing, or did you want to save that for the? Article? Let's save that for Friday. Okay. We'll get Harm in on that one too. Harm's going to be back. Prospect report. I think Harm's going to be back on Friday. We'll see for the show on Saturday. He better be. Prospect report. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? You want to go overseas? You want to go AHL? You want to go NCAA? You want to go NCAA free agents? I got all four. What do you want? Let's uh, let's start west. Make your way east. So NCAA. Yeah. Okay, we'll start with Aiden well, McDonough. AHL, technically. Right. Okay, we'll start with AHL. Sorry, they're out east right now. So you got me all mixed up here. Uh, Jack Rathbone skated on Sun or came in on Sunday, skated on Monday, skated on Tuesday with the hopes of playing Wednesday. It sounds like he might be making his return to lineup on Friday. I just like I found it kind of interesting though if he doesn't play on Wednesday. Why would they bring him out to the road trip on Sunday? Like it, to practice with the team, I'm sure is great, but. Could there not have been something in Vancouver for him to skate like? Or, you know, maybe like, uh, listen, I've seen AHL practices. It's not like they're like 100%, 99 miles per hour, Gran Turismo first place level. Like they're not racing around the rink. It's not like, a, you know, I, I think he could have done a lot of his work in Vancouver. That's why I'm expecting and hoping to see him back in the lineup on Wednesday. But we'll have to see what happens. They might just want to take the safe route, you know, get him back with the team and then get him on the ice on Friday. But he has returned to skating, which is huge and skating with the team. So um, expect him this week. I, I wouldn't say for sure, but would surprise me if we don't see him on Friday at the latest. He might play on Wednesday in Toronto. So we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, that team is pretty short on defensemen and pretty short on forwards as well as we've seen Sheldon Rempel get called up uh, to the NHL. All right, NCAA. Let's go with Aiden McDonough right off the top. Um, his season is still going to be, it depends. Like they, they have a good chance winning hockey. East mentioned it last week. I still don't know if he's going to come out and sign this year. Canucks have his rights until 2020. What year is it this year? 2022. They have his rights until 2023, August 15th. Um, so he might, uh, he might sign this year. It's going to be interesting to see what all the other names do there. But I think I just told you guys that on the weekend, other NCAA free agents, the two big defensemen that I love quads, my favorite defenseman in the whole class Brandon Scanlon, the big six foot four mean left shot defenseman. The expectation is he is going to come out and go pro this year. So I I really hope the Canucks are in on him. I've heard that a lot of NHL teams are interested in Scanlon. So the Canucks are going to have to present themselves a pretty good situation. From what I've heard, there is a view that the Canucks have some openings at lefty. Obviously, specifically for his play style. And if he's a guy who thinks that he can jump into the NHL right off the bat, especially if the Canucks are like out of it, then there might be some some actual like, let's see what this kid can do at the NHL level right now. Like if we're if we're seeing what guys can do, let's see with Brandon Scanlon. And if that opportunity presents himself to get NHL games, 
I would I would think that the Canucks are in the mix. Okay, I, I know that a lot of teams are interested in him, but the Canucks have a good spot for him to see himself playing in the NHL. So Brandon Scanlon, Vancouver, it's a possibility. Uh, Jake Livingstone is a local kid from BC. There's obviously interest for him to go pro. There's team. There's a lot of teams invested in him as well. Teams are are approaching to to see what's going on with Livingstone. They want to see if he's going to go pro. Him, I'm not so sure about. Uh, which I believe, like a lot of people are projecting him as one of the top five free agents in the NCAA if he comes out this year. But there may be reason to believe that he doesn't come out this year. And, and then, you know, people who follow the NFL draft might kind of look at it like this is a similar situation where a guy has has a really good sophomore season and wants to come out for the draft. You could sort of look at it in the same way. Like Livingstone has a lot of teams interesting in him, interested in him. But if he goes back and has another excellent year of college, then every team's going to be interested in him and every team's going to be willing to give him NHL time. Right now, there's a lot of teams interested in him, but I don't know if they're all willing to give him NHL time right now. So there's he's more of a work in progress at 22 years old where you need to see a little bit more from him. Um, and skating is the thing that needs to improve with him. I think that's what teams would be worried about giving him NHL time, but there's still a possibility that he comes out this year. So the two big defensemen, Scanlon is more likely to come out and go pro this year. And I think the Canucks will be interested and will be calling about him. I got a prospect support, Chris. All right. Dmitry Zlodiev playing in an ML MHL game, which if you didn't know is the Russian junior league, basically MHL game. Dmitry Zlodiev gets jumped in a line brawl and he gets into a fight, dishing out some uppercuts, Chris. Can you please add to this? I really just read your tweet. Yeah, it was. Uh, he got twenty five minutes of penalty time for it. that. That whole game, like I was just watching it, and then I, well, I I looked at the box score first, and I looked, and I was like, oh my goodness, there is so many penalties here late because I, I saw Zlody have had a twenty five minute um, penalties in minutes, like a pims for that game. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like what <laughs> happened here was Zlody have, and then yeah, it turned out it was just like two different line brawls in that game. It was it was madness in the. MHL, but he has been electric over these playoffs, man. Uh, Zlody had the last three games of this series. He has a total of eight points in those three games. He's excellent playing about 20 minutes a night in the playoffs. He's been a plus six so far in those three games. Like he is dominating. So good to hear from him. I, I know that there's interest from Zlody to join the AHL team this year. I know that for certain. And the thing that I am wondering right now, and I think a lot of people would be for him, is if he is going to be able to get out of Russia. He's playing in Russia. We obviously know what's going on around the world. It's horrible to see what Russia is doing. And, you know, we don't, you know, I'm not an expert on the topic, so I don't really know how to talk about it. I mostly just learn my facts uh, from other people that I trust about the topic. I just know that what Russia is doing to Ukraine is horrible. And these players, a lot of them, specifically the Russian players and, and ones that I've been able to talk to agents and talk to sources. They hate this man. Like they, especially the young kids, like from, I've heard the young kids and the free agents, they hate that this is going on. They, a lot of these people in Russia that I like, I don't talk to just the random Russian people. I talk to a lot of people in, in Russian hockey. And basically what I've heard from every single one is like, they, they don't like, they just want peace. They hate everything about this. They have family members who are being, forced to go to war and family members that are worried for their lives or you're worried about your brother or your cousin or your uncle or your aunt, whoever, like these players are really worried. And I do think that Zlodiev is one of them who is really worried for the safety of his family and himself. And I feel 
you know, I feel bad. I feel horrible for what the kid's going to go through in the next little bit as someone who obviously doesn't support the war and, and doesn't, there's a lot of Russians, I think, in that situation, right? And it's it's horrible because he's a guy who want, who really wants like his dream is to come to North America and play hockey. You know, he's like just he's a teenager, this Slodiev kid. Like he he just played in the World Juniors. He uh, he wants to come to North America. He wants peace on Earth, and he wants to play hockey. And unfortunately, what Russia is doing to a kid like this in this situation isn't going to allow him to do that. And that that sucks. I I feel really bad for a kid like Slodiev. Yeah, me too. All right. Do you have anything else you want to add before we close out? He's 20, by the way. I forgot. Zlodiev turned 20 in February. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> you didn't know that. Right. Um, anything else before we close out? Uh, Lucas Forcell was super hot, right? Super hot in the SHL. Not playing in the SHL anymore. found that kind of interesting. Back down into the J20 leagues. Um, not really sure. I'm going to check in on that. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll update you on Friday's Saturday's show. Yep. All right. We'll Harmon's back, there. too. On Saturday. We haven't seen Harmon in a while. Been a long time. We're going to have to maybe get a Patreon. You see his pick, too? He was all, he's looking good, man. I know. Taking portraits on uh, Times Square. A little photo shoot at Times Square. Proud of the kids. Making friends. Look at him go. Look at him go. He's going to have some stories for us on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Are you older than him? I am. That's right. By like a couple months. Right. So his birthday must be coming up. It is. So is mine. His is in the summer, though. Mine's coming up here. Yes. May 19th. I tell you what, beautiful day today. First of all, before we wrap up here, beautiful day today. I woke up, I had a great lunch, didn't have any breakfast, got a haircut, feeling ten out of ten. I hope that other people are having a good day today. With I'm the, exhausted. I don't the know. Weather's why. great. I'm gonna write two articles tonight. Hell yeah! And uh, yeah, I, I hope other people. I'm I'm doing really good. So I hope other people out there are doing good. Fantastic. Spread the positivity around. You know, I'm tired. Well, yeah, you're Debbie Downer. You come in here, you're, you're yawning the whole podcast. About 15 edit points. People probably catch them because you. I say something and then it's just silence. <laughs> you're sitting here waiting for me to tweet something so you can copy and paste it. Look, man, I'm tired. We're going to have a good episode on Saturday. I'm gonna you're drinking some... a Sprite. Is there even no any caffeine? caffeine. In... There's no caffeine. Uh, I literally pulled out the Sprite and the 7-Up from the fridge mm-hmm. and just looked at whatever had more sugar. And this had one more gram of sugar than the 7-Up. So I had Hasn't Sprite instead. It. Has not. Uh, You know, I had an extra energy drink in the car, too. That would have been nice. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Good thing you mentioned that as soon as we finished the podcast. Yeah, totally. It was so good, too. It was white gummy bear. Wow. And it's a zero calorie one. My rains. They're excellent. They got a new flavor out there. They should sponsor the show. Yeah. Lots of people should sponsor the show. If they knew how many of those I drank. Supporting that company. They support us. All right. We'll close it out there. I'll have a coffee before Saturday, folks. We'll be... uh, We'll be yeah, amped up. You had your coffee last show, and you're good. You're I on it. You're on point. Up. Yeah, I was. I was off today. I was yeah. off today. It's okay. People got through it. Saturday's episode is gonna be good. You carried me. Thanks for doing that. For my co-host Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation, delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 